everyone. My name is Josh Scroggins. I pastor New Beginnings Family. Just wanted to say thank you for joining our podcast and welcome. We hope the following message will be encouraging, will inspire you to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about us or would like to support our ministry financially, you can visit our website at www.nbfamily.net. And as always, for all you do to support us, thank you. God bless you and enjoy the message. Hey, 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 everybody. Thank you for joining me today. We are right back into our series called Makers. We started last week focusing on how God works to make us more like his son, Jesus, and how we are called to help others through this process as well. Uh, This process called discipleship is the heart behind what Jesus commanded his followers to do before he left the earth. Our theme verse for this series is Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Throughout this series, we've been using the example and we will be using the example of making a cutting board to demonstrate the steps that God uses to make us into disciples. And to recap, the process is broken down into four steps. First, the wood needs to be shaped, right? That means measuring it, locating the best pieces, cutting off unnecessary parts, shaving all of the sides to make it straight. Second, the pieces need to be joined together until they're essentially one piece. That's what we're talking about in this episode. Third, the entire piece is flattened smooth. It's put through a planer to flatten it, then it's sanded to make it smooth. Uh, Requires a lot of patience. Uh, Fourth, and finally, the entire board needs to be finished with an oil. Uh, It's coated in oil. Uh, It needs to be done from time to time to keep the board in good condition. Now, last week in the last episode, we talked about how we and God work to cut away things from our lives. Uh, In this episode, I want to explore the second part of the process. So after I have all of the boards for a cutting board to the right length, and I've cut away any of the bad pieces of wood, uh, making sure that they all they all look good, make sure all the boards are perfectly straight and they join together without any gaps. Um, it's time to really join the boards together and make them one piece. Uh, now there's a couple of parts to this, okay? So first I apply a thick line of glue um, to the sides, and then I brush it to make sure they're nice and coated or I rub it with my finger um, just to make sure that it's it's a nice even coating. There's, there's no part of the wood that is not glued. Um, and then I put the two pieces together. I rub them back and forth a few times just to make sure the glue really gets worked in between all the fibers. Uh, finally, when all the pieces are together in the shape that I want them, right, usually it's going to be a square or a rectangle, uh, kind of get them all in the shape and get them in the right pattern that I want. Um, I begin the clamping process. Now, for a smaller cutting board, I use at least seven clamps. Um, so I use four on the sides um, to secure them with something called calls. So essentially what a call is, if you if you take a bunch of boards and you put them side by side and you begin squeezing them, what they want to do is they want to pop up or down and kind of the pressure wants to force them up or down. And so you put boards across um, all of them, right? So I, what I use is a really cheap version of it. It's basically a couple of boards that's wrapped in uh, like a plastic, not the plastic, clear um, packing tape. And all that is just to make sure that the, the uh, wood glue doesn't stick to them. It just doesn't really stick to the, the tape. It, it comes right off pretty easy. Um, 
and so basically what I've got is these, I've got these calls and what they do is they, um, you have one on the top of the cutting board, one on the bottom, right on each side, and it goes all the way across every piece. Then I clamp them down and uh, it, it kind of squeezes in there so that they can't pop up or down so that when you press from the sides and squeeze all the boards together, um, they don't really change shape. They don't, they don't buckle on you. Um, then I've got about three clamps at least that I would use on a, on a cutting board. Um, to squeeze it really tight and try to make sure that um, the pressure is pretty even all the way through it so that the, the boards have just a lot of lot of pressure. And what it does is this actually forces more glue into the fibers of the wood so that when it dries, it's not just um, dried glue in between the pieces of wood, but it's actually in the wood. Um, so once this is done, something incredible happens. And, and the the cutting board, it's, it's essentially one piece. All of these little boards that I've cut and shaped, they essentially are one piece. And in fact, you might not believe me, but it is true. You can find YouTube videos of this um, often. Uh, you can probably search for how strong is wood glue. Uh, the glue itself, when it's done correctly, when the process is done right, the glue is actually stronger than the wood. Um, in fact, when you join two boards together um, with that glue and then break those boards apart, you'll find that where the boards break is in the wood itself, not in the glue. Yeah, it's, it's amazingly strong. Uh, now, of course, this is only true if the cutting in the first step happened correctly and both edges were perfectly flat against each other. Um, it's a perfect example of another step that God uses in the discipleship process. And, and that's what we want to talk about today. Um, that part of the discipleship process, it's called the church. Uh, it's called mentorship. It's called uh, relationship. It's called fellowship. We have a lot of names for it, but the church is a part of that process. And part of the discipleship process is being joined to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so in this episode, we're going to talk about this incredible thing that we call the church and how God joins us together until we are essentially one. The night that Jesus was betrayed by one of his disciples, he went to a garden to pray. And we've heard that prayer a lot, right? It's where Jesus was asking God, let this cup of death pass from me. And, uh, you know, please don't let me have to make me have to drink that, that cup, let the cup pass. And then he kind of finishes by saying, not my will, but yours be done. It's a powerful prayer. Um, that prayer is so often preached about and spoken of that so many don't know that there is actually another prayer that is at least as important that happened right before that prayer. And this prayer um, happens before Jesus goes to the, the uh, Mount of Olives, goes to the garden to pray. Um, but it's right before he goes to the garden. And it takes up the entire 17th chapter of John. And in this passage, Jesus prays for something amazing. Now, here's part of what he asks his father for in this prayer. It's John 17, verses 20 to 23. It says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Let me just uh, clarify real quick in case you didn't get that. That's me. That's you. All of the disciples, not just the 12 that were following him, not just those 12. Uh, he wasn't only praying for them, but all all who will ever believe in Jesus because of their message, that's us. So in this prayer, Jesus is praying for us. And here's what he prays. I pray that they all will be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. 
I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. This prayer sums up the heart that Jesus had for the church. This was his hope for the church. This was his prayer for the church is that we would be one. And let me just tell you, it is so powerful. He says, let them be one so that the world will believe that you sent me. Let them be one so that the world will see this. It's a testimony. And let me tell you this, in a world that is increasingly divided over everything, uh, we get divided over politics. We get divided over race. We get divided over language. We get divided over culture. We get divided over age. We get divided over gender. We get divided over um, uh, sexual preferences and 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 um, proclivities and, and uh, tendencies. And, and, and we we have all of these things that that separate us but here's what's cool jesus says let them be one as we are one um i want you to think for a moment in the world that we are in that is so divided that is constantly finding ways to divide us into teams divide us into camps divide us into tribes how powerful must it be to walk into a church and see a black man sitting next to a white man, to see a Republican sitting next to a Democrat, to see uh, a senior adult sitting next to a high schooler, sitting next to a middle schooler, um, to see people from different languages and different cultures and different um countries and, and different backgrounds and to have all of these different things, to have different political persuasions and, and all of those types of things, to see this variety within the church, but to walk in and, and feel that every single one of them are connected as one. It is such a powerful testimony, but that is the way the church is meant to be. That was the way that Jesus wanted his church to be. And it's, it's an issue that we have in our world. Again, our, our world is so divided and so looking for ways to divide, but that is not the way the church was meant to be. We were meant to be one. I want to give you some principles for your life as a disciple of Jesus along the lines of this. And, and there's, there's just going to be a few of them. Um, but here's the first one that I wanted to tell you is, is that you were made to be connected. You were made to be connected. God didn't just make you and then decide to connect you. You were created for that purpose. I do find it really interesting and, and only slightly um, insulting, <laughs> uh, slightly offending that um, or offensive that, that God, as he's creating things in Genesis, at the end of every day, he says, it is good, right? He, he makes the plants and animals. It is good. He makes the water. It is good. He makes the sun. It is good. He goes through all this stuff and it, it is good. It is good. It is good. Uh, and then he makes man. And the first time that God ever says it is not good <laughs> is when he looks at man and sees that man was alone. Uh, it was like God said, nah, that knucklehead's going to mess it up. This is, this is not good. Um, he needs a helper. He needs someone to keep him straight. He, need, he needs help. Uh, he says it is not good that man should be alone. It's the first time God says that. Well, the reason is, is because we were made after the image of God. And one of the things about the image of God, the nature of God, is that God is relational. That's who he is. Uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is eternally relational. That is a part of who he is. And he created us to be the same. You were made to be connected. The Christian life is the connected life. It is. It just, it just is. 
Um, at, at our church, we do a lot of things, potlucks, game nights, brunches, breakfast. We do donuts and coffee before service. We take offering very different. Uh, we don't, we don't come and get it from people sitting in the pews. Um, I'm not against people who do that. I'm not against churches who do that. We just do things. We do things different. Right? We have people bring their offering to the front. And then, not just that, but we have them as they do to shake hands, to be friendly, to say hi to people, to connect. Now, why do we do that? Well, it's because we understand that to be a disciple requires being connected with other disciples. And that being alone is a recipe for disaster. Um, you know, the, the Bible tells us that the devil goes about like a roaring lion or a prowling lion seeking whom he may devour. And I don't know if you've ever watched the Discovery Channel, but I have. And one of the things I can tell you for sure is that lions, when they're hunting uh, and they are looking for the gazelles or they are looking for uh, whatever it is that, that's their prey, we'll just use gazelles for a moment. But who do they go after? Well, they go after the old, they go after the young, they go after the, the uh, injured, right? And they go after those who have wandered away from the, the pack, right? Those who have gotten off alone. And, and really that's who got, uh, um, not God, that's who the devil targets, right? That he, he looks for those who are, um, who are older and, um, are, are in, in that kind of a weak moment. He looks for those who are young and inexperienced and naive. Uh, the devil comes after those who are hurt, right? Those who have been offended, those who have been, uh, damaged in some way, those who have been hurt. And he also goes after those who wander off on their own, um, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where you say, well, you know, I, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And that's, that's true. You don't have to be with a pack to be a gazelle, but we call that fast food, right? That's, that's how the lion would call it is fast food. It's, it's, you're setting yourself up. You're, you're walking around with a target on your back. And when you get away from the church, when you get away from Christian brothers and sisters, you get away from that kind of connection. You are, are literally setting yourself up for disaster. It's a recipe for disaster. You were made to be connected. You were not made to do this alone. In fact, if your whole approach to Christianity is I can do this alone, you need to understand that God himself said it is not good that man should be alone. We should be connected as friends, as brothers, as sisters, mentors, protégés, teachers and students, pastors and members. We need to be connected to one another in deep and meaningful ways until we are one. And this happens in a number of ways that I just mentioned. But for a moment, let me talk about mentors and protégés, okay? Uh, the reason for that is because it rarely happens without intention. Uh, most of the other relationships kind of happen naturally. You just kind of get around each other and relationships build in one way or another, right? If you find somebody that's more experienced in something than you, um, but it's something that you're interested in, that, that kind of happens a little bit, but it doesn't happen in the same way as say friends, um, you know, brothers and sisters, uh, even the student teacher thing. I mean, you walk into a class and there's a teacher, it just happens, right? I'm now a student. They're the teacher. If you walk into a church and the pastor's up there preaching, uh, he's the pastor. I'm, I'm the member. I'm the, I'm the person listening. But when it comes to mentors and protégés, it takes a great deal of intention. Uh, most other relationships happen naturally. But here's what we see in, in Titus chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. It says, Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. 
Uh, these older women must train the younger women to love their husbands. I always think that's hilarious um, that the older women need to train the younger women how to love their husbands uh, and their children, by the way. Uh, this is to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, to be submissive to their husbands. And then nothing will bring, uh, sorry, then they will not bring shame on the words, on the, on the word of God. Um, in this, in this book of Titus, what we see is an example given here, um, specifically about women, but this applies to men as well, where the older teach the younger. Uh, this is something that, that should happen. This is something that is intentional. Uh, this is something that, that is important. Um, now, don't don't just go to someone and say, hey, will you be my mentor? Because that, well, that'll freak people out. Okay, don't do that. Uh, that. That is intimidating to anybody. If you had someone to come up and say, hey, I, will you mentor me? Right, that's intimidating. Don't say that. Uh, just don't say that. Um, but if you need a mentor, uh, ask a question, Hey, can I, can I ask you some questions? Can I take you out to lunch and just, just ask some, ask your opinion on a couple of things and then just, just ask questions and then respect their time. And, um, you know, the, the thing is that it takes intention, but it's so important. It's so important. In fact, Hebrews 13, seven says, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think on all the good that's come from their lives and follow their example of faith. Every Christian should be seeking to either be mentored or to be mentoring someone else. And sometimes you can do both. And if you can, you should, but you should be connected to either a mentor or mentoring a protege, one or the other. If you're in a season where you need to learn something, right? To do that God has called you to do, right? Maybe, maybe there's something that God has called you to do. You don't know how seek out a mentor. Uh, if you're someone who's going down a road, um, or you see someone going down a road that you've already been through and now you're walking in victory, then be a mentor. And if you can do both, but at least, at least be doing one or at least be looking to do one. Um, I, I would say that, that if you want to get to that relationship of being a mentor, uh, or looking for mentor. Let me let me just tell you a couple of just a, a, a couple of quick thoughts. Okay, first, again, don't just come up to someone and ask them, "Be my mentor." Uh, don't do that. That freaks people out. Come with questions. Come with a plan, and then listen. When you ask the questions, if you're looking for a mentor, ask them the questions, and then listen. And then once you've listened, actually do what they've advised. Right? I'm I I, I have no problem uh, mentoring people if they're going to do what I've said. But if you're not going to follow my advice, I don't understand why you're asking for it. And I'm not going to be as willing later to give more advice if you haven't even done what I've already suggested. And so um, when you ask those questions, be ready to apply, be ready to think about their answers and be ready to do that. And, and, um, if you're maybe in a place where you see someone who is going down a road you've already been through and you've had victory in, don't come up to them and say, Hey, I would love to mentor you. That's intimidating. That's, that's scary, right? People think this is super formal. Don't do that. Instead, maybe just, just come along and say, Hey, I, I see you're going through this. Um, I've actually been there myself and God has, has really helped me through a lot of this. I feel like I've learned a lot through that. Um, if you would like, if you'd like, if you have any questions, uh, or if you'd like some some advice, I'd, I'd be happy to give it to you. But in the meantime, I'm praying for you. You know, something like that is a lot less intimidating. And if they want help, and they probably will, um, that's that's a lot more approachable. Regardless of 
the if it's a mentor or protege relationship or it's just brothers and sisters if it's your your pastor if it's your teacher um if it's a student or a member i would i would say this that the body of christ is meant to be connected so deeply that we are one that was jesus heart cry to his father and we should be so connected and here's what i mean by this i i think that we can get confused being one does not mean we all think alike. In fact, if you look at some of the prettiest cutting boards that are, are made, and that's that's our example in this, they are made pretty because of the fact that all of these different types of wood come together. And you can actually see the differences in the wood much stronger when they are next to wood that looks different. And I would say this, to be one does not mean that you lose who you are. In fact, it means that who you are is accentuated. But what it does mean is this, it means that we are so connected that when I hurt, you hurt. And when I celebrate, you celebrate. See, there's, there's, if you think about it like this, think about it like, um, like, like your kid, right? If you, if you're a parent, when your child hurts, when your child is brokenhearted, when your child is, is struggling and wrestling with pain, you feel that deeply because you love them. And that is exactly how it should be in the body of Christ. When someone hurts or when someone is celebrating, we should feel that and rejoice with them or mourn with them, hurt with them. We were made to be one. And here's the second thing I would like to tell you is that Jesus is the glue. So what makes the bond in a cutting board so strong is that the glue has penetrated the pores of the wood on both sides. And it has caused that space to become stronger than either piece of wood on either side. In his prayer, Jesus said that he wanted us to be one, but he also said how that would be possible. It's found in John 17, 22 to 23. He says, I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are in one. And then he says this, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such a perfect unity that the world will know you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Jesus says the way it's possible for us to be one is that he has given us the glory that the Father gave him. And Jesus is in us just as the glue is in the wood, not just on the surface of it. Jesus is the glue that bonds us together. And as we are drawn closer to him, we are made more like him. And as we get closer to him, we naturally get closer to one another. I want you to just for a moment, use your imagination and imagine that you have two people that are at a distance from each other and Jesus is in the center. It is not possible for those two people to remain apart from each other and also draw closer to Jesus. As both of them draw closer to Jesus, the byproduct is that they naturally get close to one another. What's my point? My, my point is, is that it's impossible to remain distant from one another as long as we are drawing close to God. If you draw close to God and they draw close to God, you'll find that you connect as one. That Jesus is the glue that binds people together. Now, it doesn't mean that your personalities are always going to hit it off. I, I have people that my personality just doesn't rub with their personality. Um, I, I've got several people like that. But that doesn't mean I don't love them. 
you know, you, you can love someone and not even really like them, right? You could you say, I don't really like spending time around them. They, they don't, I, you know, they make me anxious or they make me nervous or they irritate me or their personality just rubs me the wrong way. And it doesn't mean that, that they're wrong or you're wrong or they're bad or you're bad at, it just means that you have differences that, that cause tension and, and families have tension, but you can still love them and you can still be one with them. And, you know, there, there's people that I don't get along with personality wise, but if they lose a child, I'm mourning with them. If they have a major victory in their life, I can still celebrate with them. See, Colossians 2, um, 12 to 16 says this, put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if someone has a complaint against another, forgiving one another. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. Here's the last last thing that I, I feel is very important for us to understand is that bonds are made the strongest under pressure. It's a hard truth, but sometimes in order for us to have that glue permeate our hard surfaces, we need to be put under pressure. Now with the cutting board, it's clamps, right? I use clamps. I use a lot of clamps. With us, God uses different types of pressure. I mean, think about the people in your life that you've been friends with the longest, that you would consider those that you trust the most. How many of them have been through the fire with you? How many of them have been with you through hard times in your life? How many of them have you have been with you um, during hard times in their lives, right? Part of the discipleship process is going through times of pressure. Let me give you some examples. Fasting, right? Fasting is pressure, right? It's pressure on our bodies. It's pressure on our uh, minds at times, right? It's, it's a mental thing. It's a willpower thing. Fasting can be pressure. Going through times of loss is pressure. Financial instability is pressure. Relocation is pressure. Employment change is pressure. Any kind of major life changes, right? Even if it's a good thing. I mean, um, us having a child, right? Having Asher has been a very good thing in our life, but it's still added a lot of pressure. What happens is these pressure points, these, these times where we run across pressure, they actually force us to push into someone else. See, when you're put under pressure to the place that you aren't strong enough anymore, it forces you to lean on God or lean on others or both. What we find is interesting because people who have been through tremendous pressure together, those bonds are so much stronger. I mean, think about, think about soldiers who have been through war together and then they come back and for the rest of their lives, they're not just friends, they're brothers. And they are so connected to the point that they are one. I mean, there's even, even to the point of having, having somebody that's that that battle buddy, that somebody that that's in the bunker with you that you've been to battle with and that has died. And and then those soldiers who are, are with them are taking care of that soldier's family 
How is that possible to, to feel so connected to people you've never met? Well, it's because of the amount of pressure they were under, they were going through together. Matter of fact, according to Forbes, there's five reasons that bonding is strengthened by hard times. Number one is shared experiences. So we're sharing in hardships with others. It gives us something in common um, that has had a strong effect on us. Uh, solidarity. Uh, Norwegian University of Science and Technology actually showed that through crisis, even even though the, this um, crisis, uh, sorry, through crisis, it causes us to release greater amounts of oxytocin. Uh, it's the brain chemical that has a really interesting effect on groups and relationships as it tends to make us feel good and connected and concerned for others. It also has another interesting effect that it causes us to become hostile to anyone who is not in our group. But it does cause relationships to be feel good and connected, have concern for others. It's a brain chemical and crisis causes us to release a lot more of it. Um, another reason that pressure builds strong bonds um, is reciprocity, right? It's a fundamental part of being a human is this this dynamic of reciprocity, right? When you do something for me, it's natural for me to want to do something back for you. If I've helped you, then you naturally feel like you want to give back to me. And when we go through difficult times that cause greater levels of need, and those needs are met, it sets up the human dynamic for reciprocity. And if you ministered to me, if you helped me during times um, of really difficult times, I feel like I want to I want to uh, reciprocate that back to you in a way that is is big. Um, and then here's the last one. I know I said there was five. I'm only using four of them, but it's post-traumatic growth. We, we hear a lot about post-traumatic stress. But we don't often hear about post-traumatic growth. And oftentimes, going through difficulty creates the conditions for people to grow, stretch, learn, uh, become even better than before. How? Well, it helps us clarify our priorities. We learn about our own capabilities. And we really learn who our true friends are, right? Those who stick with us through it. And as a result, we are bonded to them even more. Proverbs 17, 17 says, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer with Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. And even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For we ourselves are comforted. We will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things that we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives. 2 Corinthians 1, 4-7 also says, A friend is loyal, and a brother is born to help in the time of need. See, the best part of discipleship is that we don't do it alone. We don't just grow, we grow together. We are helped by others who have been down the same road that we're walking. We help others who are walking down where we've already walked. We are bound to one another in Christ in a way that this world just can't fully understand. We are one. The cutting board is made beautiful because each piece is different than the others. It is the differences that make cutting boards look the way they do. And yet, in spite of their differences, each piece is joined together to make it one piece. You're different than I am. You're different than the, uh, any other person listening to this podcast. You're different than the person watching uh, online um, from Sunday, right? You're, you're different than the people sitting in the pews of the church. Yet in Christ, we are one. 
We are one body. We are one church. We are one family. See, to be a disciple is to be joined to Jesus. And through being joined with him, we are by default joined to one another. So embrace that. This time, uh, this week, I would encourage you to reach out to another Christian, particularly if you've got one that maybe goes to your church and you really haven't talked to them. You haven't really said hi. You haven't really gotten to know them. Maybe you've waved at them real quick. Maybe you said hi uh, on a Sunday real quick, but you don't know them. You've never really um, had a conversation. Reach out to, to someone. And I would encourage you to make this a regular part of your life. I mean, the fact is that these are people you're going to be spending eternity with. You might as well get to know them. You never know. One of them may end up as your neighbor. Take some time to get to know someone. I mean, if you notice somebody that maybe you haven't taken time to get to know, take time at church this Sunday and and do that. Take a few minutes, get to know them better. If you can make plans to get a meal together this week, even better. But do your best to connect with them because you never know when it's going to turn out that one of them might just be on the other side of what you're struggling to get through right now. Be one. Rejoice with your brothers and sisters when they rejoice. Mourn with them when they mourn. Share with them, connect with them, spend time with them. If you're not connected to a church where you are going every single week, where you are going, sometimes you may need to go more than once a week. I would encourage you, if you're not doing that, to begin doing that. You will find so much strength comes from being connected to the body of Christ because you were made to be connected. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us at New Beginnings Family. We appreciate you listening and hope that the message was encouraging, inspiring, challenging, that ultimately it brings you closer to Jesus Christ. If you have any questions for us or would like to get a hold of us, you can reach out to us at www.nbfamily.net. Thank you so much. We love you. Have an amazing day. And thank you for all your support. We'll see you next time.